Hello guys, and welcome to the Anxiety Blender by Tinglestorm, a safe place where we inspire and uplift each other, talking about mental health, self-help and motivation. Today we have Vanda, also known as Blues ASMR with three final Z's. It was really hard to edit this episode because we had a long conversation. Everything she said was so interesting, so I really had to go through everything over and over again to just bring you the very best of the best. In the first part of the interview, we will talk about her story, how she got her diagnosis and how she struggles every day against depression. Then we will focus a little more on the ASMR community, how therapeutic it can be to those who have mental health struggle. We will also talk about the sexualization of ASMR and how frustrating it can be for the artist. Let's just get started. I always find people with, with mental health issues to be the most caring and the most loving and the most like fun to be around because I feel like through suffering we learn a lot about the world, we learn a lot about relationships and in the end we learn a lot about ourselves. We evolve as human beings because of the suffering. We become more aware and more in tuned to the suffering of others. So it, it, it autom- automatically we are more empathic, I want to say. So that's why I think ASMR community is so lovely to be a part of. You mentioned your mental health uh, a while ago. I want to ask you, does it affect your social life? I mean, do you like being around people in the outer world? Or is it easier or better to be like live on Twitch where you interact with a lot of people, but just virtually? It's, that one is easy for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, before before uh, my uh, before I started suffering from mental health issues, sorry, this is a truck, by the way, nothing I can do about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very, okay, go, go fast. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, i was a very extroverted person, I was a very happy girl. And then my, my problems, I want to say, started when I was 22. Okay. Because of a, tra- a trauma that happened to me. It's a medical trauma that happened to me. And I subsequently, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that word, <laughs> uh, was diagnosed with clinical depression and generalized anxiety disorder. Uh, and before that, I was very, very social. I was enjoying going to parties, I was enjoying like sleepovers, you know, like as as much as I could be around people, I, I would be. It was where I was getting the energy, like I was, it was feeding me in a way, like every extrovert, extrovert feeds from social interaction, right? For me, in the beginning, it was, it was the panic attacks that would, that were awful. I would have, I want to say like, five, six or seven panic attacks a day. Oh my God, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah, and it was really, really awful. I was not medicated, I was not... uh, In Croatia, it was really bad uh, because they, they, they were not taking me seriously. Going to the store, going to the grocery shop, it became a problem to me because I had to go to, I'll go out of my, my house, out of my safe zone into the world and ex- expose myself in a way, immediate panic attack. If I had to go have coffee with my friends, I, I had to stop the drinking coffee because of caffeine. I now only drink uh, decaf coffee because uh, coffee gives me panic attack. To this day, uh, I avoid social interaction in person. I don't want to say I suffer from um, social anxiety. Uh, my husband, on the other hand, suffers from social anxiety, suffers. So we are both, a, we're, we're a very good match when it comes to that because I can understand him. Well, before this, I, I liked going to the hair salon, for example. I liked going to a shopping mall, you know. But every time before I would go, I would have to take a pill because they finally decided to put me on pills. I take uh, diazepam, which is a, a modern name for value. That's how I am treated for my anxiety. And what the psychiatrist told me happened in my case was I was suffering from a generalized anxiety disorder so long 
and it was untreated for so long that it literally destroyed the little um, cells in my brain that are um, that produce serotonin, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so because of my anxiety, I developed my depression. It grew into depression, right? And now I'm kind of dealing with both and with some other, like, they, they are, it's very hard for, for them to diagnose me. Uh, but they think that it is generalized anxiety disorder, uh, clinical depression, bipolar disorder, and uh, of course I am on the spectrum of uh, high-functioning autism, which is not a mental health issue, but it's also something that uh, affects me socially. It's much easier for me to sit in front of the camera and communicate with people when I know that I am in my chair, I am in my house, my husband is right there, you know, like in the other room. I can stop whenever I want. I don't know if you're familiar with that, like a reaction, like flight, fright, or a fight. To me, it was always like, it, they, they say that it's always usually one of, usually one of those three. So it's either flight, mm -hmm. so you, you get a panic attack and you just want to leave. You just want to leave the situation. You want to remove yourself yeah. out of the situation and you're just like, looking towards the door, you know, just like, how, how am I going to get out, right? Mm -hmm. Then there is fright, which is like, literally like freezing. You are like, sitting there with, with a bunch of people at the table drinking beer. I don't drink alcohol, by the way, for the record, because I do take medications. Mm -hmm. um, you are sitting there chatting and drinking, and it's like, literally, one second you're good, the other second it's like, it's bam. It's like entering uh, a parallel, I want to say parallel reality. Uh, I often remember that movie, Silent Hill, mm -hmm. uh, as a reference to what I'm feeling uh, when I talk to psychiatrists and psychologists. Uh, like you have, you have that part which is like uh, you know reality in Silent Hill, and then like it just flips out into that sort of other reality with a, with a pyramid head man yeah. going after you. That's exactly how you feel. That's exactly how you feel. Like imminent death is coming. And your body is like just like pumping adrenaline and you don't know what to do. So like, for example, you either flight, you either remove yourself from the situation, you either freeze, which is like fright, or you fight which is uh, something that doesn't happen to me often, personally, but it's like the option where you're just like, go into this, um, I want to say like even aggressive sort of mode. Okay. You know, and you, your body pumps adrenaline, like you want to, it's like, it's like having a, a bunch of wolves behind you, <laughs> and you're like, okay, this is the end of the cliff, right? And you, you face them, you turn away and face them. So you can jump off the cliff, which is like, get out of the situation. You can freeze and they will catch you or you can like fight them, you know, which is the third, which is the third option. And I guess it's the healthiest option, uh, but I don't get that one that often. So I'm not that familiar with that one, but uh, panic attacks for me are um, disabling. Uh, I had, a, I used to have a, a journalistic job I used to be a boss. I was the main editor of the biggest media house in the in the Croatia, in Croatia, with people just like shouting my name. There's like ten TVs that are on on different networks, like CNN, RTV. You you, you name it, we had it. You know, it was extremely extremely stressful. Like I would cry before I would have to go to my job, and then my husband would have to walk me to my job because I was not able to go alone. And I remember asking him every single day before he left, like I would go into the building and he would go back home. And I remember asking him every single day, am I going to see you again? And he would say, yes, of course, you're going to see me again. But I was like so scared that I'm going to die that, you know, like I would sit in the office and then the the panic attack would come and I would go into the hallway that was like hidden away because we had this huge open space office with like glass offices and stuff like that like very very high tech you know like 
you could you could film a TV show there, but like no problem. Um, I would go to this hallway that was like a little bit like hidden with, with toilets, and I would cry to my mom on the phone, and I would be like, I cannot deal with this anymore. My my arms, my hands are like numbing. I was getting that like a freeze thing, and my and my legs my legs are numbing, and I would get the vertigo. I was extremely dizzy, and I was like, Mom, I'm dying. I'm dying. This is it. This is how I die. I feel that in Croatia I was not taken seriously and uh, they have not provided me with uh, the, the health care that I needed. I went to see several psychiatrists, uh, government ones and, uh, and the private ones, uh, which I couldn't pay. I couldn't pay even with my paycheck that was substantial. I couldn't pay for somebody to listen to me once a week and to help me navigate my problems. So uh, my problems kind of escalated. I want to say it was uh, it was 2016. Um, I was in an ex relationship. It was very toxic because this this person would just leave me over the weekend to go back uh, to their hometown, mm. even though I would be crying on the floor and be like. If you go, I'm gonna die. Like I cannot be alone. Don't leave me alone. It's dangerous for me to be alone. Because I felt like if I go into my thoughts, if I go into my head, it's a dangerous playground. I felt it. That resulted with me trying to commit suicide twice. I was still working, so I was working through all of this, right? I was like working oh my, my career. I was very, I was very career oriented when, when I was not like. Well, perhaps to you for that. Problems. Thank you so much. And my mother came and she literally had to nurse me back to health. Uh, because like, I would see a window and the first thought in my head would be like, I want to jump through the window. Is it high enough for me to, to be able to be sure that I'm going like, you know, to be dead? Uh, the, thoughts, the thoughts about uh, suicide kind of plagued me. It was insane. Um, it was insane. This is not a, bad, a good word to use. I was not insane. I was just needing help, right? Yeah. But I felt, I felt lost, uh, and I felt like my my mom could be there and she could listen to me, and I would talk to her for hours. What was going on inside my head? But as a person who never felt this, she was unable to. To, to understand connect yeah connect to me in that fundamental way and when i would go to a psychiatrist my my, my family that helped me financially to go to psychiatrist they they were very confused with me and uh what would happen is like i would have a session where i ended up being a psychiatrist and they ended up being people who talk about themselves uh so it was not good. Not, not a good option for me. It just didn't work. And uh, I had an option like, okay, am I gonna go to the hospital because uh, of my attempted suicide, uh, or I'm gonna like get a grip? I'm, I'm talking about how I how I was feeling. It's it's not it's not how you should approach a person and say like get a grip of your of your life. You know, like it's not like that. But like I, that that was my inner monologue. Like, am I gonna like let this defeat me completely, or am I gonna fight back? And uh, I decided to fight back. I uh, ended the relationship. I uh, quit my job. I literally came into my boss's office, which was the the owner of everything, and I was like, I want to quit my job. And he was like, What? Like. You are literally peaking. You are at the peak of your career. Like you are talking to presidents. You are, you know, like what? And I was like, I, I cannot take it anymore. I'm depressed. I'm, I'm extremely depressed. I'm suicidal. I cannot deal with this anymore. And he said, okay. So I, I went back to my home, to the to the sort of like security of my family. I was very determined to uh, work on my mental health issues and to be single and, um, you know, just uh, 
kind of sort of figure myself out because I was an enigma to myself at that point. Um, and I was, I, I understood that I am a very dangerous person for myself. I was not dangerous for others, but I understood that I was dangerous for myself. Uh, I met my husband that summer and I was like, no, I was very like not interested in the relationship, but we talked a lot and uh, we ended up getting married and stuff like that in Croatia. He's Portuguese, my husband. Oh, so that's why you live in Portugal. <laughs> yes, that's why I live in Portugal now. Uh, he's Portuguese. And uh, I feel like through our relationship, I have uh, matured a lot because he's, uh, he's significantly older than I am. Uh, and he was able to bring uh, a sort of maturity and wisdom that I was lacking. I was very always like a very childish person, I want to say, a person who liked to have fun, you know, like, I was just like, you know, I was not very, you know, not very mature, I, was, I, I wouldn't say that, I was very playful. Um, and so through our relationship, I grew a lot, and uh, he uh, was unable to learn Croatian language, which is one of the hardest languages in the world. Yes. So I don't blame, I don't blame him. Uh, and then he was like, okay, we should go to Portugal. And I was like, I'm not ready. I'm not, I'm not ready to leave home. But at one point he was like, I literally cannot stay here any longer. I need to go home. My parents are old. I'm worried for my parents. I need to go home. And then we went to Portugal and I have been to Portugal ever since, in Portugal ever since. Um, but here in Portugal, they actually are treating my mental health issues much more than it was treated in Croatia. So here I have been given help, but they, as I said again, they have serious troubles uh, sort of diagnosing, diagnosing me and putting me like into a certain bracket, I want to say, of like, you know how, how a person can have a, a multitude of, um, of yeah, disorders, yeah. of health, men, mental health issues, and then they don't know what to do with you. Uh, they tried to put me on antidepressants. It was a disaster, to mildly say that. Um, so, but I feel like, and I am soon to begin over the phone because of the, the situation right now. Mm -hmm. Over the phone, I'm going to soon start with cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm starting with that. And then we're going to see. I also want to like get myself off of the pills of volume, but um, getting off of pills for anxiety is harder than getting off of uh, heroin literally yes and it's more it's, it's even more dangerous like you need to be under under supervision by a doctor in fact this is why i firmly believe in um, behavioral psy psychology because it teaches you a way if you are on meds even if it's just for anxiety treatments but you learn to rely on something else something that is not inside of you mm -hmm. whereas with uh, behavioral psychology you learn to know yourself to know those triggering situations that you should avoid those those signals that you should recognize before a crisis comes and i think that's the safest and most effective kind of therapy i hope so i'm very i'm very hopeful and i'm happy that you said that now because i have never been in behavioral cognitive therapy mm -hmm. they have never put me into one uh, and I kind of am in a, in a place where I really want to work on myself. And as I said, uh, you know, like, uh, my, my case is like, okay, like, okay, these are the symptoms. Okay, this is, this is a panic attack incoming, right? Yeah. So you can try, you can try techniques and, 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 and the way to deal with it. For me, it's literally one sec comes to the other. I have come to the point, I feel like I have come to the point where it's like, I don't think that there's worse anxiety than I, that I personally have. 
from what I talk to people. And uh, one po- at one point in my life here in Portugal, I was working on a hotline uh, for uh, people who needed uh, companionship, right? Yeah. Uh, who were uh, self-destructive, who were suicidal, who had mental health issues. I was uh, working. Uh, and it was not a work. It was a, a kind of a project for me. Mm. I was not uh, financially gaining anything. Um, and uh, I realized that majority of people who claim that they have mental health issues actually don't have them. They just crave for somebody to listen to them. Yeah, in fact, you know, this was going to be one of the questions I planned um, mm-hmm. to ask you. In fact, um, I I agree with you. But just partly in the sense that there is a big stigma and misconception behind mental health. And many times Mm -hmm. we think we do have a condition, but the truth is that, as you said, we only need to be listened or to get ourselves together from a situation. But how many times we say, I am depressed? And... I tried to yeah, Google that. And you're, just, and you're just literally like, you had a bad day. Yeah, you're having a bad day. Yeah, or You have a bad day and you're like, okay, like my plumber didn't come and I don't have warm water to take a shower. I'm so depressed. Yeah, that's so wrong. Like, it's the most like, dangerous. I don't like, shut the F up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But even if that's you Google that, even if you Google that, yeah. Google says, oh, yeah, you have depression if you're feeling sad for three days straight and then the, it, the situation doesn't seem to get better. So it's very easy to identify yourself with somebody having depression. Yeah. And my, psychi- yeah. my psychiatrist always te- told me at the beginning when I told him oh, I was so depressed that day, he always told me, don't even use that word because depression is a clinical condition. The way you were feeling yes. was certainly bad, but you cannot use that word to describe your situation in that moment yeah so if you have something to say about this i'd be super super interested because i mean it there is such a stigma and a confusion behind all these mental health conditions and feelings i have been diagnosed so i know that i Mm -hmm. actually do have depression but uh my first reaction to people saying oh my god i'm so depressed my salt lamp doesn't want to turn on (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, shut, shut the F up. Right. It's, it's very triggering for me. Because depression is something that is not funny. It is something that is not... It is a term that is not to be used lightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a beast. It is a monster. It is... Uh, I would describe depression as... Um, for me, it's like I. There are days when I cannot get out of bed. Yeah, and I it's not just laziness, like people can think, right? Yeah, I, I get. I work, I wake up in the morning, and I and I'm immediately able to tell my husband, uh, I'm depressed. Like it's bad, because for me, depression, and this is something that people don't understand about depression. Depression can be a perpetual thing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a very specific depression, and there are there are there are different depressions out there. Okay, uh, my dog is started crying. I have to take her out. I oh. of her house. She's in her house. Uh, so uh, my depression works in a way that um, that's why they think that I'm bipolar, uh, which is. Uh, a new word for manic depression, right? It's actually being manic depressive, which means that you have this is this is the, the bad. Sorry, oh, but I worry. have per- periods of um, of my life where I feel extremely happy. I feel mm-hmm. euphoric, right? So these are like uh, the, the 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 brilliant uh, highs of uh, of my life. Mm-hmm. And then I wake up one one morning without any any sort of um, any sort of warning, nothing. I wake up one day and I know it's here. I feel it, you know. I just feel it, and I I tell my husband this. I literally tell him, there is an alien 
like I hope I call it xenomorph, mm. like from like from the movies. There is an alien in me with this room, and it's sitting on my bed. And I am unable to get out of bed, and I cry all the time. It's literally with me. It's like crying for days, uh, because I always feel like with crying comes relief and release, but sometimes it doesn't. Um, so I am. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm a highly functioning depressed person because I'm not. Uh, I would say that I'm barely functioning depressed person uh, because uh, when I'm depressed, it's very intense. Mm-hmm. It lasts. It can last for up to like I want to say a month. Wow! My God. Yeah, yeah, for up to a month. Right? I am incapable of going to toilet alone because I'm so scared of leaving the bed. And mm. my husband needs to uh, go with me. And I'm just like crying all the time. And in my head, it's like these thoughts, it's like this voice. And I tell him, like, I hear the voice. And I don't, I, I'm not saying it's schizophrenic, you know, schizophrenics hear voices. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not like hearing voices. It's your own voice that's like telling you, like you're worthless. You don't deserve anything. You are sick. You are ugly. You are fat. You should just throw yourself out of the window, right? Mm-hmm. And when these thoughts come, it's usually like a few days into my depression, like a depressing, depressive episode. Let's say. Um, I need to alert my husband and I need to tell him that, okay, babe, this is the period where you don't leave me alone. And he knows, he already knows the cycles and he knows how it goes with me. And he, I can be in the room, you know, like in the bed. I don't feel like doing anything. Uh, I'm mostly on my phone, just trying to watch ASMR, trying to listen to music. But nothing, nothing brings me comfort. It's insane. Nothing brings me comfort. It's, and I feel there's there's this distinct feeling of I'm never gonna be happy again. I'm never gonna smile again. It's like it's like the end of the world. You know, like there's nothing to fight for. There's there's no light in the end of the tunnel. You you don't see anything. It's like being lost in the darkness, in the dark. In the night, in the sea, you don't see the stars, you don't see the moon, you don't see the sea. Like you can feel that you are submerged in water. You don't feel you don't you don't see the ground. You have nothing to to hold on to, and you need to swim. You know. Yeah. And you just you feel do. you just feel desperate. It's 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 a it's a despair, and you're just going like like more and more into that like cold that's darkness and then that voice it becomes even more like it, it tells you like hurt yourself do you see the scissors on the table go take the scissors and cut yourself and cutting your like like hurting yourself is a is a thing that people use to to feel something anything anything to see the blood Mm-hmm. To, to feel to feel like they are still alive, and I have succumbed a few times to this technique. <laughs> um, I have like scars on my legs. Uh, I'm not even like I'm very open. I am very very open about my struggles. Um, and my husband actually caught me cutting myself, and he he got pissed at me. He was like, this is, the, this is the last time you're doing that. And I had to promise him that I'm never going to hurt myself again. But it's would, not would, something you can really control, can you? When I get that urge, I call him. Mm-hmm. And I tell him I have, I have a huge urge to hurt myself. Um, I, I used to, I used to uh, pull my hair out. It was also like a way mm. for me to feel pain. Okay. I would hit myself. I would hit myself. It was also a way for me to feel the pain in that in that darkness, like that I was in. Um, and then, uh, so you are in that perpetual darkness with like xenomorph sitting on your bed, telling you things that like 
it's never gonna get better, like you're gonna die, you're a worthless piece of shit. Stuff like that. Mm. Uh, it can get it can get really nasty, like it can get like really bad and really specific about your fears, for example, because it's you. It's your brain. Yeah. Your brain knows and your brain knows you, you know, it, it, it knows what you're afraid of. It's such a so dangerous it, place when you're struggling. It's it's absolutely I feel like I am very, very dangerous for myself when I am in a depressive episode. Uh, but you have that awareness that you warn your husband, so maybe there is a absolutely. part of you that is struggling, you know, to get out of that. Yes, yes, I'm struggling to get out of that. I uh, I do feel, because for me, it's it's very hard. And this is why, like, I think suicide rate in... Uh, in bipolar disorders, it's like 80-something percent. Not, don't, don't take me for my word, but I think it is. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is why this is extremely hard, because you experience the best of life, right? You experience happiness, euphoria, uh, you know, like, you're smiling, you're happy, you, you, can, you can conquer the world. Mm -hmm. So it gives you these emotions, and then it takes it away. And you, and it is like a roller coaster, like up and down, up and down, up and down, that drives people to sometimes do the the deed, you know, uh, mm. because they just cannot, they just cannot deal with that anymore. Whereas, um, on the other hand, people who are just chronically depressed all the time, they don't have the highs. For them, it's just low all the time. Um, so they don't have that roller coaster, you know, up and down, up and down. It's very steady. It's like a steady ride. And I feel that us as people, we are capable of adapting to anything. So you adapt, right? Yeah. But how can you how can you adapt when it's all up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, and you have zero control over it? How can you adapt to that sort of living? To that sort of, of being? Uh, and existing um, because you never know you are very aware when you are in your highs like you are very aware and you're like oh my god like I, I need to I need to like bottle these emotions and I need to store them for the you know for the drought for the for the times when, when it's just not there and uh, it's never possible to do that because it's just the darkness comes and the, the reality splits so, so during yeah. the high, you are aware that the high will end and the low will come again? Yeah, you don't think like, I'm healed, I'm fine, it's gone. No, no, no. I have been, so I have had depression for eight years now. And by now I know that it always comes back. Uh, it always comes back for me, for me. I didn't say to me, I said for me. Mm -hmm. It always comes back for me. Uh, it is something that uh, is running behind me. It is something that this is. This is. I'm, I'm literally telling you how I feel. If this is something that's running behind me. This is something that wants to take me. I feel like it's something that wants to take me and possess me. And it's darkness. And it looks like a xenomorph because I made it look like a xenomorph, right? <laughs> I, I love the alien movies, and in my mind, something happened, and it just like made that connection, right? Yeah. But it's 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 really hard, really, to um, exist in such a way. And for example, doing Twitch, um, I stream every day, right? Mhm. Mm so when I'm feeling high, my streams are very very different than to when I'm feeling low. Uh, for example, you are talking to me now and I am in my depressed state. But yesterday already I was like feeling, you know, I was streaming and I was feeling like I was feeling down. And my husband was in my stream. Uh, he's a great support for me. Uh, he's always supporting me in everything that I do. And he told me when I was doing a break, he told me like, you have this energy you look, you literally look like you're gonna start crying any second. Like you need to either end the stream, or like you need to find in yourself to like flip it around. 
right? Because you're not you're not helping anybody, right? Yeah. And I was like almost like, oh my god, is that obvious? And he said, yes, it is. To me, it is. I don't know if it's obvious to other people, but to him, it is because he knows me. Yes, that's probably why because he knows you. Because in this moment, I honestly couldn't tell. I'm not watching you. I mean, we're not uh, having a yeah. camera, but you're talking so fluently and so openly, giving me so many details. I could never tell you're actually feeling down, and I'm so sorry if I'm triggering you somehow. Triggering no, you somehow. No, no, no. This is actually. I think it's it's good uh, to. Um, to like let it out, you know. I, I'm always a person that that is like very, very. Um, and I talk to people in the ASMR community, and as I said, I have talked to majority of them. I want to say at this point, um, I am always the person who says like, you can talk to me about anything. Mm -hmm. Anything. I like to listen to people. I'm a, as I said, I'm a journalist. Uh, it was my job to listen to. To interview them, to you know, get information out of them. Um, so uh, for me, being able to speak this openly about stuff is very liberating, really, uh, because I feel that not a lot of people would tell you in details exactly how they feel because they are either ashamed, they are, they maybe they are not aware of what they're feeling. I wanna. Uh, I like to think that I'm very in tune uh, at this point because it, it's been years. Mm -hmm. right? I'm very in tune with my own emotions, and I exactly know how am I feeling today in a given given moment. And uh, I was I was actually hoping that this interview is gonna happen. Interview. I call it interview. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's a talk. Yeah. It's a conversation. I was hoping that this conversation that was going to happen when I'm in my goals. Because if I was in my highs, um, I would not be able to give you uh, as many things uh, because I would be too happy. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't be tuned with these emotions that I'm feeling right now. Um, yeah. I would be, I would just be like this bubbly, happy personality, which is completely opposite. So, so it's, it's, Living with me is like literally like living with Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. I really understand this because I I am being diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. It's not really 100% official yet, but my psychiatrist says I do not have mental conditions. Uh, he's 100, almost 100% sure about that. But I do have personality and identity disorders. And I do experience these ups and downs, but like in within hours. So if I am feeling not like super, super happy, I don't really experience extreme happiness. But whenever I'm mm -hmm. feeling good, it really affects the way I perceive reality. And I could never really describe, as you said, I could never really describe when you are feeling very low. I mean, I have a memory of that, but at the same time, I feel like, no, this is never going to happen again. Or that's, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly like to the T mm -mm. what I was, what I was trying to, to convey. And uh, by the way, they, they thought that I had borderline personality disorder for a long time because the, the feeling of the, 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 the immense fear of abandonment is, is, uh, is present with me too mm -hmm. uh, and I fit I fit the profile right uh, but they are they are they 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 think it's probably bipolar it's not they are in between borderline and bipolar let's say it like that they I need to do tests yeah but it, actually it's but so hard yeah it's very hard to diagnose a person that is uh, so complex mm-hmm and especially if you are dealing with a, with an intelligent person, you know, like I can I can tell to a psychiatrist what I want them to know. <laughs> what I don't what I what I don't want them to know, I can omit, right? Yeah. Um. So it is, it is something that like I need to be aware when I talk to a psychiatrist. I need to be aware that like a, a part of me will want to hide something. 
you know, and maybe that something is a red flag for, you know, for putting me in a, for finally cracking the code that is, that, that's me, you know. Um, so I uh, decided that I, I am very, I, as I said, like, uh, I am a very controversial person, uh, I want to say at this point. And uh, I have posts about suicide. Mm-hmm. I have posts about being depressed, but then again, uh, you have people who, uh, in the in the community and in the world, and uh, you know, have I have spoken to these people on the phone, uh, that are very self-centered and they just want to talk about themselves, and that's that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they completely uh, they don't validate your feelings. They don't validate i think every person like every feeling that we feel should be validated and should be appreciated and should be in a way uh, i don't want to say clinically examined but i want to say like it should it should form it should be a part of the puzzle right yeah uh for me i have a huge problem with taking everything personally like, <laughs> i take everything personally it's extremely, it's extremely easy to make me feel really, really bad about myself. Oh, like this is happening. It's because of me, you know. Like it, it, it has to be personal. It's because of me. This person doesn't like me. Yeah. For sure, right? There, there's, there's no logical explanation. I'm very, I have a very analytical mind that likes to overthink, and then like, um, I get in trouble, right? Because like I have, I need to have these confrontations with people. Uh, and I'm a person that uh, is, I am a pro-confrontation person, I love confrontations. Because I feel that without a confrontation you don't solve anything. You just leave things as they are. But you, when you actually confront a person and you say, okay, listen, this made me feel like this, this, this and this. It led me to believe this, this, this and this was true. You know? Mm-hmm. And this is my train of thought. And then that person can be like, okay. Like, this is like the mature, like, like this, this would be the mature answer. It would be like, okay, I understand your feelings. I understand where you're coming from. I understand how it could potentially, to you, seem as, as if I was ghosting you, if I was like being rude to you, anything, really. Um, but like, it's not the case because of this and this and this and this and this. So they, th- they, they give me their train of thought, right? Yeah. I didn't do this because I was, you know, I got distracted. It's, it's not because of you, I just, I simply got distracted, you know? And I feel that, like, I believe in, in mature conversation. I really do. And I think that with just talking to each other, we can solve so many things. And it's, it's, it's sad, really. Uh, how many people don't go for the conversation? They go for texting, which over the text you can you can you know interpret something that that was said in a nice manner. You can interpret it as an attack, and then you immediately go into like contra attack, and it just blows out of proportion. It's like and it's like it just becomes this huge pile of shit, right? Yeah. But like if you are able to like maturely say, okay, you know what, this is how I'm feeling. I'm feeling this because I have this inner uh, problem where I take everything personally, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it should be validated, you know? Okay, you have a problem of taking th- things personally. It's validated. I, I respect your feelings. I understand and I respect them. And that the community that I'm trying to build on Twitch is based on literally like it is okay not to be okay. When somebody asks me how you how are you doing, I don't think they really expect the answer that they get. Sometimes I say like I'm doing like I like I just did like a like a shoot of of, of, of heroin on my arm. I, I'm feeling high. I'm feeling so good. I'm feeling like I can run for miles, and I'm super super happy for no reason at all. Like I just am. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when somebody asks me, how are you doing? I'm, I'm going to say, like, 
I'm a little bit anxious, like with a, with a potentially like a panic attack coming on, and I'm kind of not feeling myself today. Like, how are you doing? And people would just like stop, you know, because they they told I was going to say, oh, I'm doing fine. How are you? You know, mm. oh, I'm fine too. And in fact, you're not fine at all. Yeah, it takes a lot of courage to say that you're not fine because it exposes you to either people be willing to get out of the conversation because they don't want to yeah. engage really or expose you to explain what is going on and sometimes you're not really comfortable but at least it engages a correct reaction into somebody that is interested yeah and for example uh, if you know if you know somebody is suffering from mental health issues if they are very open about it you know you should approach the conversation with the respect uh, towards that person's feelings and not expect them to react in a, in a way that would be, let's say, quote-unquote normal, right? Mm. Uh, because, because this is not a normal pattern of behavior. If you are suffering from borderline personality disorder, you, you very well know yeah. uh, how, how, how the, the, the normality can be uh, not something that you feel, right? It's like, okay, I have this immense fear of, you know, like, I, I'm, I'm like this and, I, and I'm going to interpret, uh, like, what you said in a completely different way. Uh, so that's why I believe in talking in person rather than texting. I don't like texting. I'm, I'm like the worst person to like mm. um, uh, in, engage into like conversation through the messages. Uh, because as I said, my train of thought is not a, is, is a very specific one. And if I'm not able to explain to that person how some, some things make me feel, I would rather not go into that. We tend to visualize the character. For example, I I did a, a I filmed and released a couple uh, kidnapping uh, videos uh -huh. that were very successful. And after that, I got the attention of people that really wanted me to do kidnapping or psychodentist or revenge uh, medical abduction things like that that are kind I of saw, insane saw, those videos yeah they trigger me in the wrong way exactly there, that's there's nothing there's nothing relaxing to me about horror ASMR. exactly so i tried to film these videos but with a different twist like not violent psycho etc. But at the same time, I don't like receiving the attention of people just because of that part of content I created. Mm -hmm. I think every single person in the ASMR community uh, has some sort of issue. There um, is much more than just the artist. Of course, of course. There's like a person behind, then there's like a person that is like, you know, who are you, who are you when I'm not looking? Sometimes, though, the struggles we go through in real life are what makes our art our art more precious if it makes sense absolutely for me my uh dreams are so disturbing that i could never mm -hmm. ever make a role for us <laughs> uh, <laughs> like uh it's it's just way too disturbing and, and as i said i am not into horror things in my genre Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I am very much into, into trigger assortments, okay. personal attention, soft soft-spoken personal attention. Mm -hmm. It has to be by a woman. It has to be by a woman because I have this fear of, of men. Uh, goes goes way back to childhood, uh, trauma. Okay, but uh, I personally like personal attention, soft-spoken and by women too. So yeah. we have very similar it's, it's tastes. It, yeah, it's the energy that I, I, I crave that woman energy mm -hmm. uh, because uh, it reminds me of my mother, you know? Mm -hmm. It reminds me of my friends who, who were girls and then we would, you know, we would scratch each other with nails and stuff like that. Yeah. And now that I moved to Portugal, I don't really have friends here. So I am in a way very, very, um, I want to say I crave 
physical contact. Of, of course, I have my husband. But my husband is not a person who has long nails and who's going to scratch me back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, my best friend, that's something that we used to do to each other. It was like, it was like this, like this pampering ritual that we had. We would massage and scratch each other. And it was in no way sexual. It was literally for the pure pleasure of being a mother. Yes, and thank you for saying this. It's not sexual. How many times do we need to specify this? It's 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 so insane. Like I went to the ASMR Wikipedia page the other day, mm -hmm. and there's an entire section about sexual ASMR. For me, ASMR is a sort of non-sexual intimacy. Yeah. Uh, that uh, is created between creator and a viewer and I can see you know I can see how easily people can get this is why ASMR is so hard to make because also we are exposed to people that are lonely we are exposed to people that suffer from mental health issues we are exposed to people that can go uh, from a, a, a viewer to somebody very dangerous I think people are a bit disrespectful towards his marriage because people get it wrong like if you respond to a message if you give it a heart if you return somebody's attention it's not because you are open to receiving something more than yeah. just yeah. you know yeah and yes it's disrespectful to the art itself because we I mean I see the hard work you put into your videos I put hard work into my videos and I feel like this all fades behind these people trying to be pervs basically yeah and that's yeah. very bad I'm not answering messages anymore like I stop yeah I think I, I will do the I, same I, 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 yeah I always say in my streams like you can join my discord and you can con like you can communicate with me through my Discord. My Discord is still very small. I want to see you succeed. I want to I want to see everybody succeed. So yeah. Thank you, and same for you. Seriously, you are an amazing artist. I I know you're suffering. Thanks. I know you're struggling, but it really pays off into the the work you put out in this world. It really helps thank me. Thank you. I love it. I, 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 think, I, think, I think I suck, but thank you. No, you don't. Don't ever think that that's, because that's my, that's my inner doubt. <laughs> don't ever think that thank really you so thank you for listening to today's episode i hope vanda's vivid description of her condition and her struggles inspired you to keep pushing through remember that if you're feeling bad you're not alone there is always somebody ready to listen to you Hit me up on my social medias at TingleStormASMR or on my YouTube channel. And until the next time, have a great rest of your day. Bye.